0: The response from the government, like you mentioned, was the most egregious thing about the scandal itself. Because we heard nothing, silence for days, even when they knew what was happening. They knew that they gave money to an anti-Semite and their version of racism doesn't include anti-Semitism. The uh, Leif Maruth fiasco, it's a scandal really, involving the federal government of Canada as they hired Maruth, or provided contracts of up to $600,000 for Marouf and his wife, who were um, disguised as an organization known as CMAC, which was really just them. And uh, their agenda was to provide anti-racism training, including to broadcasters, while Marouf himself is a, an absolute outrageous racist. And uh, I'm sure you've seen and heard reports on what he tweeted and what he's uh, put out, and we talked about it yesterday, not only with uh, Melissa Lantzman, but also with Professor Michael Geist from the University of Ottawa, and the professor had tweeted that his grandparents were survivors of the Holocaust, and he felt the Heritage Minister should be saying something, anything about Maruf, and then in uh, reply, um, Professor Geist was accused of being racist by the Parliamentary Secretary to the Federal Heritage Minister. It's just it's bizarre. And and when Justin Trudeau talks about slipping through the cracks, that roof slipped through the cracks. No, he didn't. The barn door was wide open. All the ministries that provided money were wide open to him. And a certain minister, um, and we'll talk to our good friend Tom Korsky about this because um, Black Lock's reporter has been writing about it and tweeting about it, um, I'm, Tom, I'm forgetting the name. Thanks for joining us. I'm forgetting the name of the, uh, the minister who said, I, 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 I know nothing.
1: Uh, that would be Heritage Minister uh, Pablo Rodriguez, who says, says he loves tough questions from the press, uh, Roy. He's the man responsible, by the way, for the press subsidies. And every time someone says, uh, hey, uh, aren't you just buying coverage? He says, no, no. I enjoy tough questions. Tough questions. Uh, we asked uh, uh, him for an interview, asked his office, that would be over seven days ago, no response yet, so I guess there's some questions he doesn't want to answer. And, and you just named the question, Roy, which is who left the door open?
0: Who left the door open? Mark Miller was the one I was thinking of as well.
1: Uh, we oh, In Miller's case, that's even worse. This was one of the smaller grants for this character. It was a Canada summer student Grant. This is the odd part, Roy. Right? That's the only grant program that is vetted by MPs' offices. That's a fact. It's oversubscribed. These are employers who look for 50% wage sum- subsidies to hire a summer student. And the list goes to the Department of Employment, and the l- department kicks it back to MPs' offices. And Miller's office approved a Canada summer student grant to this dangerous moron. And He had, at the same time, to have turned down other applicants, small businesses, you name it. We asked him why. Never heard of them. Never heard of this guy. I've heard from other MPs, I have to tell you, who say that's difficult to believe. MPs kind of watch that grant money really carefully because you're making friends and enemies. This whole thing is a fiasco,
0: right? It is. And Mr. Miller looked too uncomfortable for my liking he just looked like he was bewildered it was coming at him from all directions and he couldn't think of what he was going to say that was my impression and if i'm wrong and if i'm maligning mr miller then i'll be the first to apologize but this whole government that, that they can step forward and say we'll hold an inquiry now an investigation no just just sit down at the table the bunch of you and and talk about it work it out and then provide the truth to the rest of us we we don't need an inquiry an inquiry will just delay the facts and give opportunity for obfuscation. Would you think, Tom?
1: Roy, uh, Ben B'rith has said, yeah, investigation's a good idea, but not by you guys. Maybe That's get right. an independent yes. investigator. Yes. Roy, I am no expert in anti Semitism or hate speech. I am an expert in contracting, For uh, to, to be candid. We cover a lot of contracting. Here's the problem when you say the door was left open, and how? You cannot submit a bid for a routine contract without 27 pages of security checks, employment checks, credit checks. Are you bonded? Are you insured? What are your references? That's not to supply atomic weaponry to the Department of National Defense. That's to sell chairs to the Department of Agriculture. There's only one way to bypass that. If they call you instead of the other way around, someone called this guy.
0: And to be remembered in all of this goes back to 2015
1: that's gone on for years this is he had the secret handshake every time he walked in the door he walked out with a check that's just the fact
0: and then he complains that Canada is an apartheid country and uh, it was highly unfair and uh, racist that he didn't receive his Canadian citizenship sooner than he did he he just doesn't you know he is so um, dismissive of any fallout, I think he just felt completely bulletproof. You know, I'm speaking metaphorically.
1: I I, I I I I take your point. How raw was it? This is a man in public who fantasized about Jews being shot in the head. I mean, that's pretty rough, and yet after the Department of Canadian Heritage gives this man funding, last September 21 they announced it, of all people and of all functions, to give anti-racism seminars on campus nationwide, you know, and you have said so, Roy, there were MPs and knowledgeable uh, advocates who contacted the department and said, what are you doing? Don't you know, this is a man who has a 21-year history of doing things like drawing swastikas on the Israeli flag and saying that Zionists control the newspapers in Canada. That's how rough it was. And the department did nothing until those people dragged the chain. That went on all winter, Roy. So many questions about this.
0: Yes, and... um Answers are mandatory. You have a very interesting story here at Black Locks Reporter, Tom. We're going to be speaking with uh, Bruce Moncourt at the bottom of the hour, Canadian veteran from Afghanistan who has been, he's really the one of the outstanding voices supporting his fellow veterans from Afghanistan, trying to persuade the uh, the powers that be. The private Jess Rochelle deserves the uh, Canadian Victoria Cross, and our listeners are aware of the programs we've aired with Rick Hillier and, and uh, with General Omar Lavoie about uh, um, Private La Rochelle's bravery. But today is also the anniversary, 16th anniversary, of Bruce Moncour, three weeks in Afghanistan, taking friendly fire from a U.S. fighter jet, not from some American soldier on the ground with him. But from a US fighter jet. And um, what the shell from this jet did to Bruce Moncur's head is terrifying to imagine. He recovered, but what the federal government did, what the Veterans of uh, VAC did, Veterans Affairs Canada did, because they'd done away with the veterans' uh, pensions, they decided that. check. This is after the side of his head had been blown off, and parts of his brain were literally, this is going to disturb people, but it happened, leaking out of Bruce's head. He's recovered. But they decided $22,000 was all he needed. That would carry him through for the rest of his life. That's what they did. So now you have a story about auditors questioning millions spent on a Navy graveyard. Tell us about that, please.
1: It's odd, isn't it? Uh, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, Roy, there's there's an old saying that there's nothing crueler than bureaucracy. And this is so acute when it comes to matters involving Veterans Affairs because everyone can see what's at stake, whether it's the case of the Victoria Cross. Someone said no 14 years ago. That's it. Good luck repealing that decision. These Veterans uh, Disability Benefits Claims, this has been an ongoing scandal for years. Someone says no, and then you get to appeal. And that's where you hit the brick wall. That's where you get the cruelty of bureaucracy. But when they want to spend money, they spend it in how? $4 million on uh, uh, an uh, old Navy cemetery that is uh, at Esquimalt. One of only two cemeteries actually run by the Department of Veterans Affairs. The cemetery is full. It dates from the mid-19th century. All of a sudden, they spent money. The, 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 the Treasury sprang open and millions flowed. They were expanding the cemetery, they were buying land, they were improving the trails. Auditors come in and say, why? Why would you do that? To which there was an awkward pause. The managers didn't have a plan, says the audit. They spent $4 million without a plan to expand a cemetery that no one asked for. That's the Department of Veterans Affairs.
0: Yeah. And there are more people, more veterans like Bruce Moncour, who experienced the same kind of treatment that he experienced and many of them are still struggling, still hurting. Uh, Private Jaisal Rochelle, Victoria Cross, 16 years, you know, 16 years after being shot, terribly wounded. He, his back was broken. His neck was broken. He couldn't see. His eye was bad. The retina was de- uh, detached. He, he couldn't hear. He was terribly, terribly wounded and he fought on for hours fight, fighting off the Taliban. He's actually having surgery done maybe, as we speak. This is still related to that particular situation. So what they do for veterans, or two veterans, is terrible. And I'll never forget Mr. Trudeau when he was confronted by the veteran in Edmonton at the town hall, and asking why the federal government was in fact fighting the veterans in court. That was uh, the Equitas group, and I interviewed them many times. Mr. Trudeau said, well, veterans are asking more than we can give. And then when he was derisively hooted for that. He said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, there's no time to wait. You said all you needed to say and uh, veterans deserve so much more than they're getting. Okay, now, you would mentioned um, Mr. Mendicino, Minister Mendicino, who likes tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> if you like That's tough questions, <laughs> if you like tough questions, you don't say it. If you, like, if you say you like tough questions, you don't. Um, What's he leaning in on, quote-unquote, leaning in?
1: Cabinet's old fetish about uh, regulating the Internet. This is a big bill, and it has seen the light of day only briefly in 2021, and then it lapsed in the last Parliament. This is the bill to regulate and include takedown orders on legal but hurtful Internet content. A unique bill in the English-speaking world, Roy, fraught with contention and controversy. There are free speech advocates of the gamut right across the political spectrum. Former federal judges, retired CRTC commissioners, many legislators saying, are you crazy? Mendicino telling the press, uh, we are going to lean in on that because uh, cabinet feels it must regulate the Internet, and I stress, legal content that hurts people's feelings. That's a pretty subjective call, but you know who wants to make that call? The federal cabinet.
0: Well, yeah, no no surprise. I haven't heard that term lean in for a long time. I find that <laughs> I find that to be objectionable speech. It
1: We're leaning aggressive. in on it.
0: <laughs> it is aggressive, isn't it? It is aggressive. It's like somebody said, "We need a new tagline." Oh, I know. Let's lean in on it.
1: It is not warm. It is not I, there's nothing not getting... <laughs> There's
0: nothing redeeming about leaning
1: in. Is there? Yes. <laughs> you nailed it. I can't is there? I can't talk that right. Is there?
0: I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Now you also had the story, and we have to talk about this and we did yesterday on the program, that NASI, the uh is a volunteer medical group, is is saying that um, we may need to be vaccinated or consider being vaccinated every 90 days. And I ran that past infectious diseases specialist, Dr. Neil Rao yesterday. And he said, that's like giving everybody an electric vehicle with a 60-mile range or 60-kilometer range. So that's the doctor's response. So what's the story here?
1: Uh, It's confusing, isn't it? Because only nine months ago, uh, no, not, not nine months, only last June 30th. So that's, uh, that's only a couple of months ago. The Minister of Health, uh, Jean-Yves Duclos, said every nine months you're going to have to get a, a COVID shot. No, forget about thinking of yourself as fully vaccinated. You have to ask yourself, are my vaccines up to date? You're going to have to get a COVID shot every nine months. And then suddenly it was every six months. And then, as you mentioned, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization came back and said, you know, maybe I'm just throwing out ideas maybe every 90 days. To which uh, no one says that's a great idea, but it does leave the impression, as the chief uh, medical advisor to the Department of Health said, yeah, the messaging is changing, she said. But the the message really actually is not changing at all. The message seems to be that no one's in charge and they don't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that analogy of the... Dr. Rao, it's like giving everybody an electric vehicle with a 60-kilometer range. It puts it into terminology that we can understand. Now, what's the story with debt collectors following you to and beyond, as it were?
1: It's interesting. This was out of the B.C. Supreme Court. You know, everyone knows about debt collectors. Who really knows how they work unless you've actually been in touch with them? (laughs) Oh, oh no, they'll call you. It's not the other way. They work at commissions, typically up to 50 percent commission. This was a case involving a tire dealership had an unfortunate disagreement with its debt collection agency and, and found out they play pretty rough. How rough. Well, the president of a debt collection agency testified in B.C. Supreme Court how his business works, 33 to 50 percent commission. You just leave it up to us. Oh, by the way, we never close a file, never, unless we get some money. And if a debtor dies, then we go after the estate. But if you want to know the definition of perpetuity, it would be a file at a debt collection agency, so the court was told.